Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us. The Landscape is presented with the support of Delta Dental of Ohio. You can find out more about Delta Dental, deltadentaloh.com. If you want to start a debate among your fellow Clevelanders, just ask them who makes the best pizza in town. There's a new name popping up in that spirit of discussion as pizza lovers make their way to Lakewood to visit Boom's Pizza. It's the new project of Spice Hospitality Group's chef Ben Biebenroth and his culinary partner, Jonathan Bennett. They join us today for The Landscape. Guys, thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Good to get out of the cold. Thank you for having us. Indeed. We're going to talk a little bit about Boom's here in a minute, but let's just, in a larger sense, Jonathan Spice Hospitality on your homepage, you say... On your website, you're saying changing how people connect with food is is your goal. What does that mean, and and how do you achieve that? Yeah, I'm going to throw this one over to Ben because he is the goal setter. <laughs> and all right, I'll, I'll take the ball and run with it. So I guess changing how people connect with food, I see both literal and um, a little bit esoteric. So quite literally, we are a catering company, and we utilize local food from scratch preparations and. So we are changing how people connect with our food. And at the same time, uh, our nonprofit, Spice Field Kitchen, uh, has been teaching kids in field, in classroom, and online the value of healthy eating from healthy soil. And we feel like we are changing how those kids are connecting through food. So overcoming a lot of ingredient aversions like eggplant, mushrooms, asparagus, whatever, and then being able to connect a kid to the process of, okay, let's harvest this, make something with it, and now taste it and use culinary words to describe what you're experiencing as opposed to gross or nasty, it's bitter or salty or sweet. So we're changing how those kids are connecting through a, a culinary experience. Ben, after Governor DeWine in March 2020 ordered the closing of restaurants due to the pandemic, you decided to close Spice Kitchen and Bar in Gordon Square, a very popular spot, to focus on your catering business and this nonprofit. Obviously, the pandemic played a role, but were there some other factors in making you decide that now was the time to close Spice? Yeah, I mean, Spice was an amazing passion project. It was an opportunity to connect with the neighborhood and have a brick-and-mortar presence, which is difficult for a catering company. Um but after running the restaurant for eight and a half years, you know, it was, it was always difficult to make money there. And we had just invested in uh, building out our headquarters where Jonathan's sitting right now at 5601 Tillman Avenue. So we were about three quarters of the way done with construction when the pandemic hit. So I had already had a large amount of capital at play. And I knew that the future did not involve fine dining for us. So I, I had to make a strategic business choice then. And I did. Jonathan, about two years ago, you two started a pizza pop-up out of the Keep the Change kitchen. You were doing it on Friday. So what made you decide to make a full go with this and decide to open Booms? Well, uh, you know, coming from the fine dining world myself, neither of us wanted to get back into that world. It is, it is a hard, hard way of life. And the people that are successful in it, I mean, they are they're dedicated and committed and, you know, we just want to be dedicated and committed about something different. So pizza is not a fine dining world. Pizza is not a special occasion restaurant. Pizza is not, you know, the only, the only time you go to eat it is Friday night or Saturday night. That we're finding Friday night and sure Saturday enough. night is where most people eat their pizza. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I forget where I was the other day. Man. Oh, Amba. Doug's new new Indian place over on 29th or 28th or something like that. And, you know, there probably were 40 staff members there. And that's a hard way to 
it's a hard business to still be in, right? To be so dependent upon finding 40 amazing people. We just needed to find 15 amazing people. And, uh, you know, you do the work ahead of time. You make the dough ahead of time. You try to put all the investment into systems and, and great products that don't require as much labor. <clears throat> it's, it's going to be the challenge of our industry for as far as I'm probably going to be in our industry is, is labor and trying to work our way out of that was a key and pizza felt like a good opportunity to still do what we know how to do, which is run restaurants and, you know, and execute food without having to be so dependent upon such an amount of fine dining staff. Jonathan, obviously there's a lot of pizza places in Northeast Ohio. How did you arrive at the concept of what you wanted Boom's Pizza to be? There, there is no I. There's only a we. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> um, ah, man, man. You know, I've been, I've been working on my pizza game for a decade. Uh, you know, Ben and I started chatting in the middle of the pandemic. And, you know, that conversation turned into, you know, partnering up. And which turned into more conversations of what does a pizza restaurant in the 2020, 2023s need to look like? And what, what do we want it to look like? And, you know, we're lucky to have quite a few great team members on our on our leadership team that, you know, it, it was a work in progress and a, and a collaborative work. I mean, there's, like I said, there's no I in this, you know, concept. Jonathan, you guys worked with Richardson Design to create the look of the restaurant. And one of the things that's very much, in some respects, a grab and go. I mean, you grab your drinks, you grab your antipasto, you sit down and wait for your pizza. Was that part of this idea of getting away from fine dining and just making it a little bit more casual? Yeah, it really was. I mean, if you think of taking taking half the half the staff and not needing it because the guest seats themselves, the guest grabs their own beverage, the guest, you know, buses their own table at the end of it, though we do come around and tidy up behind you. Even from a guest standpoint, a lot of us don't want to, you know, wait to be seated and then wait for the server to come to the table and wait for the the beverage to come back from placing our beverage order and then wait for them to come back to take our dinner order and then another wait and another wait. Um, you know, when you walk into Boone's, by the time you're done putting in your order and sitting at the table, you're drinking your drink and you're eating your appetizer or your salad and Hopefully within 20 minutes, your pizza's hitting your table. So, you know, like Ben says, I mean, time is the new commodity. And if we can save you time and eliminate guest rubs, that's a, that's a win for us. This episode of The Landscape is brought to you by Delta Dental of Ohio. With offices in Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Dublin, Delta Dental of Ohio is proud to be an industry leader in dental benefits. Together with our customers, providers, and employees, we build a higher standard of oral health care in our communities. And we are more than dental. At Delta Dental of Ohio, we work with entrepreneurs, innovators, and changemakers who are committed to improving the health and well-being of all Buckeyes. Together, we are building healthy, smart, vibrant communities for all. Ben Biebenroth and Jonathan Bennett join us. They are the forces behind Boom's Pizza in Lakewood, which just opened. They joined us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. Ben, I know people talk about my favorite toppings on a pizza, and that's why it's important, but I was always told that the crust is the key. So how did you decide on what kind of crust you wanted to have? Because there's so many variations. Oh, that's funny you asked that. Um, you know, I leaned into this right after I closed the restaurant. Obviously, I was scrambling for, okay, what's the next chapter of this company? And uh, I leaned into a relationship I had at Nestle 
uh, from doing some consulting work with them for the past many years. And that's where we kind of came up with like, okay, pizza is 9.75% of all restaurant purchases in the continental United States. It's the largest sector of any restaurant purchase. And I knew that we could stay true to our craft and still be culinarians and create this amazing crust as our canvas for what we did with the top of it. And when JB and I were talking during the pandemic, actually on an asparagus you pick here on Spice Acres, he was like, what kind of pizza do you want to make? And I was like, I don't care, the best. <laughs> and he's like, well, there's a lot of different styles out there. So we were always like, okay, I love wood-fired pizza. He loves wood-fired pizza. But that is a labor quotient that we do not want to wrestle with. And it's very difficult to scale. Um, it's also very inexpensive to build those kitchens out. So we started working on this neo-Neapolitan kind of hybrid between New York and Neapolitan crust. Uh, and that was really JB's wheelhouse. I mean, he is such a mad scientist with the two the gram precision. And I'll be honest, we're still tweaking it today. Um, it's not done. It's just great. So <laughs> it'll get better every week. Uh, my gr- my grandmother's from Naples and she made this beautiful crust that was kind of light. It was almost like bread, and but it was, but it was still, you know, it was a little chewy. But what I remember is that when she made pizza, it was just a little bit of crushed tomatoes, a little bit of garlic, and she sprinkled a little cheese on it and basil. And that was the whole nine yards. I know people want pizza however they want it, but do they ruin it? I don't want to say ruin it. Do, when they overload it, I know you have to give people what they want. But. We do have a maximum topping amount at our place because toppings include water. Cover pizza crust in water, it bakes differently. So what's giving you a great pizza crust is the rate of evaporation and caramelization at the same time. And that is a very precise place to be. So so yes, if people overload a pie with too many things, in my opinion, yes, they do ruin it. And at Booms, we prevent you from doing that by having a maximum amount of toppings that we'll let you put on there. Jonathan, what are customers gravitating toward when it comes to ordering? Anything in particular that seems to be jumping out? Boy, the pizza is like really one of our top sales. (laughs) Like particular ones. I mean, I saw, you know, your cheese pizza, by the way, is named for Kevin McAllister. Why did he get the honor? And then we'll get back to this other question. Uh, A a cheese pizza just for you. Home Alone, the original, I think. Or no, Home Alone, New York, maybe. Um, that was Emily Baber, our, our, uh, past marketing director, man. She held on to that name. I tried to change it probably 15 times <laughs> and she kept changing it back. And finally I was just like, okay, I'm done with the yeah. battle. And, uh, <clears throat> she so, was right. People love it. <laughs> yeah. And oh, to Emily, it stays on the menu as Kevin McAllister. Um, our, you know, the number one pizza sell of sales in America is the pepperoni. Right. And it holds true to our sales. So if you take pepperoni and the cheese pizza out of the mix, our number three pizza sales is, I'm going to say it's hot stuff and peps. Okay. So the hot stuff is um, Calabrian chilies, which is one of our very, very few important ingredients. One of our, one of our like keys to good food and, and keeping it regional is, you know, regions are, Regions start kind of like a bullseye, right? So we have our inner circle, which is kind of our 150-mile region, where our pepperoni is 140 miles away out of Izo and Columbus. Basil. Our gluten-free crust, yes. Our basil is uh, hydroponically grown locally. Our salad, our greens for our salad, same thing. Um, so we've kind of got this bullseye. You know, there's not a lot of olive oil production in Ohio. Right. 
So, so we do pull our olive oil in from out of California. Tomatoes as well. You know, the yeah. Bianco Dinopoli yeah. organic tomato. Beautiful. Yes, Bianco Dinopoli. Yep. Great, great tomato producer out of California. But yeah, Hot Stuff and Peps, those Calabrian chilies are just, I mean, they're out of south of Italy. They're the heat on our Hot Stuff and Peps. Garlic, basil, tomatoes. Uh, Mike's Hot Honey. Shredded Mike's, Mike's Hot Honey. Can, can you guys, can we stop here for a second? Because this is a phenomenon which I have not yet experienced. What, what does Hot Honey add to pizza? Oh, man. I don't like it. Okay. Um, it's, all right. I don't. All right, Ben, this is all you. Know, you. I, all right, so <laughs> what it, I, can, I know what it adds, yeah. but I don't like it. <laughs> what it adds, I think, is it brings the flavor forward because we, we do this a lot with Spice Field Kitchen. We talk to kids about how the, where they are in the age of the palate, and your palate ages from the front back, right? So you're born with just sweet receptors because that's what breast milk is. And then you start to add in salty and then sour, right? And then finally bitter in the back and umami is the last. So when you put hot honey on a pizza, you have a little bit of acid in there. There's a touch of vinegar in there, a little bit of chilies, and then obviously the honey. So that's bringing all that luscious umami flavor of the pepperoni pizza and the garlic and the cheese and all that to the forward of the palate because now you have this sweet tone and now you're hitting flavors in every area of the palate. I mean, that's, that's the secret right there. Yeah, and, that, and that's what makes a lot of Asian cultures' food so freaking amazing is they have done millennia of cooking with balance, right? Sweet and sour chicken. Right. <laughs> you know, sweet, not that that's a, a deep Asian thing, but it is an Asian-American thing of, you know, you have sour balanced by sweetness, right? Mike's Hot Honey adds that sweet component. So like Ben said, you're hitting all the things you know, basil, that's nose. That's not tongue, mm-hmm. right? Sweet, hot honey, the fattiness, the saltiness, the acidity that you get from the crust, all those things start playing a factor in it. I just don't like the sweetness because from my palate, it just starts masking up the other flavors a little bit more than balancing them out to me. But people love it. Say, not to get too far afield, but I do want to ask since I have two chefs, one of the things that we don't eat much in American food, for lack of a better term, is food that's bitter and I don't mean bitter in a bad way but like rapini is a little bit bitter but it's delicious <laughs> is that something that takes a while for people to develop to learn to enjoy those kinds of things okay J- I'm 49 and I'm not there yet <laughs> okay that's what I'm saying JB I swear I did not pay Dan to bring this up oh okay just, we we just got into a fairly warm conversation around expanding our menu we're talking about adding a, our Hawaiian pie on adding a barbecue chicken pie on with this smoked uh, chicken sausage we get out of DJ's down in Jeromesville. And then one of the other things I was brainstorming around a rapini and sausage with a little bit of preserved lemon and garlic and just pecorino, no mozz. And JB just looks at me like, nah, nasty, all that bitterness. (laughs) And I'm like, hey, man, it's classic. (laughs) It is classic. And I I enjoyed bitter a little bit. But, I mean, there are people that love bitter. And I, like my palate just never said, oh man, I really, I really want some broccoli, Rob, tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys mentioned, uh, you know, the the issue of staffing as you build this place out and we're obviously dealing with supply chain problems. Have you dealt with a lot of that or is that starting to fade into the background in terms of getting what you need? So we started this project, you know, kind of middle pandemic and it got into the purchasing phase after 
the inflation hit, our cost to open this place went up 30% from the time we started to the time we were done. So talking about eating some crow on that one, yeah. I mean, that was, that was tough. Uh, so our oven is made, out of, it's made in Sweden. It's electric deck which produces a nice dry heat, which helps with evaporation that Ben was talking about earlier. We needed a 400-amp three-phase panel. It's not May yet, right? We still would not be open if we didn't stop the project, redesign the entire electrical system, and do it again because it wasn't going to be ready until May. Yeah. And that was, back in, that was back in October. So, yes, supply chain was absolutely real. I feel like labor is on the other side of that, though. I feel like labor is a little bit easier on us. We still have issues, right? It's still a challenge to find highly skilled and highly adaptable, positive mindset people all coming together at once. But also at the same time, it's pizza. And pizza was one of my first jobs. I threw pies at Little Caesars when I was 15. And we are getting a lot of great kids from the Lakewood community, a lot of great people in there that... They don't have as much experience, but they're open to learning. And that's kind of one of the secret sauces of JB and I. We've been teaching in kitchens collectively for 50 years. And that's a lot of experience bringing people up from pantry all the way to saute and into the expo window. So teaching you how to throw a crust and putting toppings on it and baking it appropriately and cutting it appropriately. I mean, he and I are sitting next to each other online working. We're like, this is so fun. It's so much easier. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's just nice to take a, a lot of that fine dining stress and pressure out of the equation. A lot of that kind of stuff that gets you into the upper echelon of your emotional environment and just stay rooted in, man, it's pizza. Like pizza's supposed to be fun yeah. and it can't be fun if you're angry doing it. So that's really what we're teaching a lot, you know, is they got to be able to yeah. taste the love and it's an open kitchen. So when you're there dining, I mean, you could see it. If that kitchen wasn't humming and feeling good, you would feel it, you know? So we listen to the same music that the dining room's listening to. The cooks are picking those songs, right? It's, it's a very cool all-in environment. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Dan, one of the other... You know, Ben and I have come up. I, I started in the kitchens when I was 13, and I'm going to tell you that that was 36 years ago, right? Okay. That was a long time, and I just read an article this morning about a chef in Boston who opened her first restaurant the same year Moxie opened, so 98, 97, and, you know, it's not a good article about the environment that she, you know, that she produced, right? And, you know, Ben and I set out to do things differently. Talk about, you know, um, affecting palace differently. We also want to be a different type of employer than we've ever been part of. So last week, so this is where we have an advantage. We pay pretty good, right? We pay pretty much what you can make going down the street to any other fast food joint, somewhere between... 12 and 16 bucks an hour. The advantage we have is we spent, I want to say about 10,000 bucks with our lawyers making sure that our tip pool methods would work. So even our dishwashers and the pizza cooks and the busser and the counter people all participated in our tip pool equally. Last week was an extra $7.64 an hour. Nice. Per person. <laughs> per person. Per hour. That's mm -hmm. amazing. Right? 
So take your take your $14 an hour and now you just made 2165 last week. That's freaking awesome. Sure is. I mean, like we see those numbers every week and we feel so excited about the opportunities that we're able to provide for people who want to work in a pizza joint and still make more money than most opportunities provide in this. And city. I think that's a that's a a piece of the inequality of distribution of wealth in the kitchen and on the dining room floor that we've been a part of for so long, watching servers. Yeah, we sat on the wrong side of that line. <laughs> well, I mean, but for years, you know, we watched servers walk with 350 bucks at the end of the night. You got a dishwasher back there soaked to the bone, busting his butt all night long, making 12 and a half, 13 bucks an hour, you know, and that's just, we don't yeah. want to be a part of pr- promoting that anymore. And, and we've been saying this all along, what you permit, you promote. And I was like, I want to promote a, an equality of pay work environment. And pizza has an inherently better profit margin than fine dining. So it gives us that ability to redistribute that wealth a little bit more. And it gives us both a lot of pride that, that those kids are taking home a good paycheck and we're teaching them good lessons. And that's going to go on for decades into their lives. They don't even know how much this is going to impact them yet. Ben doesn't know this, but this morning I was meeting with our uh, our operations manager, and I challenged her with, by June 1st, I want all of our managers to have at least one long weekend a month. That means Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday off. And that, I'm like, it's going to cost us, it's going to cost us money to do that, but we have to provide a better place than the world has provided Ben and I growing up in this industry. Yeah. Like we've got to break this mold of the restaurant industry just being it's, a place that lives on the back of its employees. Yeah, the martyrdom of the 21-day week is like, I'm done with it, man. I don't ever want somebody yeah. in the company to have to do that ever again. Right. Yeah, it, I can remember in, I did it in high school and college, working at a pizza place. And, you know, we'd show up there Wednesday morning at 1030, work till 1, come back at 330, work till midnight. You know, and you every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and it's like it just wears you out mm-hmm. mentally and physically. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and Ben and I both look back at our raising our kids. You know, luckily, Ben's are a little younger than mine, but how much you gave up, how much you sacrificed, how many dates you didn't go on with your wife yeah. because you had to work. And it's just bull crap. And we just don't, it's not who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Sorry, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a great pleasure having you both join us today for the landscape. Good luck with Booms, and we'll have to visit. I'm glad you have, I have a gluten-free diner, so we're going to have to make a trip out there. Yes. Oh, our gluten-free crust is great. You're going to love a it. challenge. Great, great stuff. <laughs> yeah. Ben Biebenroth and Jonathan Bennett, they are the brains and the force behind Booms Pizza in Lakewood just recently opened. They joined us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. The Landscape is presented with the support of Delta Dental of Ohio. Find out more by visiting deltadentaloh.com. I'm Dan Paletta. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.